0: In the Bible today the book of 2nd Timothy if you have a copy of the scriptures with you and I certainly trust that you do the book of 2nd Timothy. Now for those of you who have who might be visiting with us or haven't been here we have been in a series on on a shelf by itself has been the title on a shelf by itself referring to the Bible. The ancient words that we just sung about, the words of Scripture. And this is the sixth message that I've brought on this subject. The first message was on revelation. The Bible is God's revelation to man. By revelation, I mean that God one day, sometime in eternity past, determined that he would reveal things about himself that we would not know otherwise. And he had those things written down in the Bible And the Bible is so critically important Because first of all, God originated the Bible Man didn't originate it The men who wrote the Bible didn't sit down one day and say You know what, I think I have a pretty good idea I'm going to tell some folks about God Didn't happen like that The Bible originated in the heart and the mind of God himself and today, that all we know about God, by the way, is what we know from the Bible We know a little bit, generally, vaguely, about God through nature We know that it took somebody with great power to create the Alps or the Atlantic Ocean But we don't know that He loves us through nature We don't know that He's a holy God through nature So God had to take the initiative and God had to reveal himself. And by the way, today, this is an astounding thought. This will make you study your Bible. The only thing you know authoritatively about God is what you know in the Bible. What you know, think you know about God from some impression or some uh, thought or something that you have, that's just a holy hunch. You really don't know The only thing I know about God after 45 years of preaching his word, the only thing I really truly know without a doubt about God is what I read in the Bible. Everything else is subjective. Everything else is conjecture. And then I've preached to you about inspiration. The word inspiration actually means God breathed. God breathed out the scripture, every word of it. And today, we believe that God's Word, the Bible, is inerrant, which means there are no errors in it. It's a perfect representation of what God gave to man. And then there was a message on preservation, how God preserved His Word, how God prevented His Word from being corrupted, even down through history. Now, He didn't re-inspire His Word, But what he did was he preserved his word Through providential circumstances I believe with all my heart I'm resting my soul on it That I have within my hand A reliable and trustworthy copy Of God's word And then last week I talked to you about The sufficiency of scripture The Bible says that the In in 2 Peter chapter 1 That in the Bible we find everything necessary For life or for godly living God didn't leave us without direction Without instruction And in the Bible there's everything I need To know God and to know how to live A godly and righteous life that will be pleasing to Him Now the text today is from 2 Timothy Chapter 3 And I'm sure you have it by now And could I ask you to please stand As we read God's word together Now my text is just one verse But I want to do a little background reading as well Follow with me please Let's begin in verse 12 Of Second Timothy 3 Yea and all that live godly In Christ Jesus Shall suffer persecution And we see some signs Of that increasing even in our world today I pray it doesn't materialize But evil men and seducers Those who would seduce us Tempt us into evil Will wax worse and worse Deceiving and being deceived But Timothy Paul writes Continue thou in the things Which you have learned in the past And hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And here's the text. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to notice a phrase there. The holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. And so the subject today, we've had revelation, we've had inspiration, we've had preservation, we've had sufficiency, we've had evidences that the Bible is true, but we have a new topic this morning, and that is the primary purpose for which the Bible was written. What's the primary purpose of the Scripture? That it would make us wise unto salvation. And thank you, and you may be seated. There are two books written to a young pastor named Timothy And obviously the books are called Timothy First and second book They're what we call pastoral epistles or letters Meaning that they were written to help a young pastor To know how to do his work as a pastor And they were written, both of them of course, by Paul And they were written from a jail cell now we go back to Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 We find out a little background about Timothy And it's important to the subject If you look in Second Timothy 1 and 5 Paul says When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you Which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice So we find out that Timothy unlike most people in that day Was a second generation Christian His parents and grandparents, well, he was a third generation Christian, wasn't he? And Paul writes to him and says, you have this unfeigned faith. You you may want to define that word unfeigned. It means real, real faith, genuine faith. Unfeigned faith is heartfelt faith, true faith, genuine as it can be. And he said, that faith is a, is a result of your Christian heritage. And he even calls the name of his grandmother Lois. She was the first one in the family who was saved, Grandma Lois. And then there's your mother Eunice. And Grandma Lois passed that faith heritage to her daughter Eunice, and Eunice now passed that down to you. And today you were you were taught the scriptures That are able to make you wise unto salvation Now Acts chapter 16 and verse 1 tells us about his father But it doesn't say his father was a believer His father was a Greek we're told And so Timothy here is Hebrew-Greek in his lineage 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 Go back there though The text passage And I want you to know It says from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures and the word child there's a very interesting word because in the Greek of the New Testament the word is a Greek word brephos which doesn't mean a child this high it means an infant it means a child like the four little children I dedicated to the Lord here a few moments ago from an infant you were taught the holy scriptures by Eunice and by Lois parents Boy, what a message there. Just let me stop and apply that because I I exhorted these four parents, you start early with that child. You bring them to Sunday school every time the door is open. You bring them to the church services. You enroll them in a Christian school. You do everything you can to inculcate the Christian faith and worldview and heritage into the the lives and minds of these little children. You read Bible stories to them as many of you you do when you're reading to your children at night. The last words they hear would be words from the Bible. You pray with them every day before they go to school and before they go to bed at night. You pass that heritage That unfeigned faith That true and genuine Heartfelt faith Pass that on to your children And begin early Don't wait until it's too late Don't wait until they're 18 And their lives are already shaped and touched No, you start early From a child From an infant From a brephos You begin to teach them the word of God The importance of you as parents Training your children in the faith Now Three simple points in the rest of my time What is the relationship then of the Scripture to salvation? But to broaden our idea now, I'm talking to all of us And that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures Which are able to make you wise to salvation I want you to notice something with me there As we think through this passage of Scripture We're not saved because we believe the Bible It doesn't say you were saved because you believe the Bible it says that the Bible led you to the knowledge of salvation. It made you wise unto salvation. That's why we teach that to our children. And that's why I stand here this morning and I preach to you a very simple message from the Bible. I could preach to you from current events and there's many of them that are interesting right now. I could preach to you from a hundred different subjects. But you know what the scripture says? It says, preach The word. And so our church is a Bible centered, Bible teaching, Bible preaching church. And I could take all the wisdom of men, I could scour the libraries of the world, and I could come up with all kinds of messages to you, but there's only one message that makes an eternal difference, and it's the message of God's salvation. And so study the scriptures. They are able to make you wise, wise unto salvation. We're not saved because we believe the Bible. We're saved because the Bible leads us to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what the verse here says, of course. I knew an evangelist in past years. I haven't seen him in a long time. He was an older man when I met him. His name was Carl Woodbury, he lived in Indianapolis. He was a wonderful preacher. And he wrote his little life story, a testimony about how God had saved him out of atheism. And Carl Woodbury made this statement. It was a little, sort of the motto of his life, from an atheist to a Baptist preacher. And the little motto he put on the front of his little life story was Reason led me to the Bible, and the Bible led me to Christ. In his Previous days he had been in the scientific field He learned to think very scientifically Very logically And yet it didn't satisfy his heart And Carl Woodbury wrote his story Reason led me to the Bible And the Bible led me to Jesus Christ And you know there's nothing else that can save you You can can have knowledge of science as did Carl But it won't save you It'll help you live a better life on this earth But it cannot get you into eternity to know the Lord You can have money But money cannot buy you a home in heaven It doesn't impress God who owns the entire universe And created it out of nothing You can live a good moral life You can have wonderful values and treat your fellow man In the way that you want to be treated But that's not salvation There's nothing that can save you You can have position and prominence And social standing But there's nothing I repeat, nothing A zero with the edge of it knocked off Nothing, nothing Nothing that can give you eternal life Outside of the Lord Jesus Christ And the purpose of the Scripture Is to lead you to Christ Reason led me to the Bible And my Bible led me to the Lord Jesus Christ Only the Scriptures can make us wise to salvation Please turn in your Bible 1 Peter chapter number 1 Over near the end of the Bible And on Wednesday nights right now We're going through a very thorough Bible study Of the book of 1 Peter We just began in fact And I'm going to skip down to an area Where we haven't touched yet It's verse 23 Uh, 1 Peter 1 Being born again Not of corruptible or perishable seed But of incorruptible seed By, continue reading The word of God that liveth and abideth forever So here the scripture compares itself to a seed The great PD of South Carolina is a farming area We get outside of town a few miles Beautiful, beautiful farms and every person here is familiar with farming And the farmer plows up that soil And he drops those seeds in the ground And they're covered and they're fertilized And he waits a week, ten days, two, two weeks Depending on the germination time of the particular seed One day that little seed breaks open Because in that seed there is something that nobody truly understands on this planet There's life that seed sprouts, and it works its way up through the soil, and then it begins to grow, and then we have a beautiful plant, and we have fruit, and we have reproduction, and we have all those things that they do, that life produces. And the Bible says this is God's seed, and so we hear the word of the Lord as I'm preaching to you right now. We listen to the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. And you listen, and you read your Scripture, and you study it, and you compare Scripture with Scripture, and you find out that as you learn the Word of God, and you hear the gospel and understand the gospel and comprehend it, that like a seed, it begins to sprout life into your heart, and the darkness is dispelled. And life comes in And unfeigned faith Real, true, genuine faith Is always born out of the word of God Without the word of God There can be no salvation I hear people say You know, the Bible is life-changing True, it is But that's not all That's not a complete statement The Bible is life-transforming The Bible is life-changing, but I'll tell you something even more important than that. The Bible is life-giving. It is life-giving. And eternal life comes from God's Word. It's more important to have life than it is to have my life transformed, isn't it? The Bible is not only life-changing, the Scripture is life-giving. It's like a seed and the very... Nature of God comes up And we're born again the Bible says In that verse right there through that So the primary purpose of the Bible Is to make us wise to salvation Would you look with me in the book of John Chapter 20 I'm turning you to a few places here But I want you to see this for yourself In fact this is a clear statement That the purpose of the Bible Is to bring us to salvation And I look in John chapter 20 And verse 30 John 20 and 30 And many other signs Truly did Jesus In the presence of his disciples Which are not written in the book Jesus, All the miracles that Jesus performed Are not written in the Bible There's, There wasn't room for them. But look at verse 31 But these are written These signs that John has talked about That you might believe That Jesus is the Christ The Son of God And that believing you might have life Eternal life In his name, and so what am I saying to you? I'm saying that the purpose of the Bible, the Bible was written as this verse says to make you wise unto salvation, and you know, really, the Bible can take care of that without any help from anyone. True story, true story. I want you to remember that back in the late 90s, 98 or so. A man walked into a pastor's office in Los Angeles, California. I heard the pastor tell the story. And the man introduced himself and gave his name. In fact, he kind of barged in. He said to the receptionist, I've got to talk to the pastor right now. Well, he's busy doing something. Please, I'm desperate. It's a crisis. You've got to let me in. And so the pastor came out to the reception room and said, hello, I'm so-and-so. And And the man said to him, well, my name is thus-and-so. He said, I want to, I'm i desperate, I need to talk to you for a moment The pastor invited him in and just said I'm, I'm right in the middle of something but I'll just stop and try to help you Because I can see you're desperate And the gentleman said to the pastor He said, I'm Dr. So-and-so I'm an MD I operate the abortion clinic down here On such and such a street Not two or three miles from here I'm Jewish, I'm not a Christian I've been divorced two times And both of them have ended in tragedy I'm living with a woman right now And very frankly I can't stand her But I don't know how to get away from her either And he said Basically I've lost my kids I have everything you can want materially The pastor later found out He, made nine, he, he, had, he had done nine million dollars worth of abortions In that clinic In the previous year I have money I have social standing I'm a physician But he said I am so guilty I feel so guilty I can't stand myself And I'm desperate And a few weeks ago I started to come to your church You don't know it But for six weeks I've sat back there in the back And I've listened I've listened to you as you talked about the Lord Jesus Christ I need help Can you help me The pastor said My schedule was so tight There was nothing I just could not stop I had obligations But he picked up a Bible from his desk And he handed it to the man The man took it The pastor said I can't really help you anyhow Your life is beyond my help But I'll tell you what this will direct you to someone who can Take this And I want you to And the pastor turned him to the book of John And showed him and marked it in the Bible You read this book over and over and over Until you can come back and answer one question for me What's that? Who is Jesus Christ? The man said, I'll, I'll try your remedy He left The pastor didn't hear anything from him for several days About ten days, two weeks later The man calls the pastor. He says, I want to come and talk to you. And they set an appointment. He came in. And the pastor said, well, are you ready to answer my question? Who is Jesus Christ? And the man lovingly laid the Bible upon the pastor's desk. He said, I know exactly who he is. He's more than a man. He's the son of God. And more than that, he came to the world and died on the cross for us and rose from the grave. The pastor said, yes, exactly. He said well I not only read John But I've read Romans two or three times too And it tells me that we're all sinners And it tells me that if we call on him he'll save us Is that right? Will he he in fact give me life? And the pastor said yes And he said well just as soon as I can clean up my act And sell that clinic I'm going to come down here and do that And the pastor said hold on You got that part wrong You've been right up until now But the Bible doesn't say that we clean up our life first And then we trust Christ It said you believe in Jesus And you will have eternal life And then God will direct you in cleaning up your life Who am I talking to here today? Or maybe who is watching our television program right now And you're hearing me talk about this And your life is a mess An abysmal mess And you don't have the peace that the Bible promises And you don't have You you have guilt Or maybe you have shame Or maybe you have fear Of the things happening in the world today even We've got another Ebola uh, Patient in Dallas this morning I can can almost already Feel the fear That people have about these instances Living in the modern world Is a fearful experience And though we certainly fear if if this thing were to become unmanageable Isn't it wonderful to know that you have eternal life today? Isn't it wonderful to know that you don't have to live in fear and guilt and shame That the Lord has made a remedy for that The relationship of the Scripture to salvation The Scripture leads us to salvation just like it did that man in California Number two the, Bible, the scripture will make you wise To your need for salvation Now the biggest problem I have Very fr- frankly as a pastor In the Bible Belt Is so many people have made Some superficial profession of salvation I'm not sure that They think about it very deeply Just kind of a yeah 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 I've done that And they blow me off When I talk to them about it And I don't know if they really Truly understand salvation or not but the Scripture will first of all take you to your need for salvation. You don't have to read very far in the Bible to find it out either. Turn back with me the book of Genesis, if you will. The book of Genesis. Go back to chapter 3. Now, this week, I looked up a couple of statistics. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. 1,189. So if you pick up your Bible and start reading in the first word, in the first verse, you read chapter 1 about creation, chapter 2 about creation. You get to chapter 3, and you find out our greatest need, the third chapter. You don't have to go very far. You read about 10 minutes, and you're going to discover your problem. I found out that there are 31,173 verses in the Bible. You have to read 31 verses in chapter 1 twenty five in chapter two and you have to read six or seven in chapter three. On the sixty first verse of the Bible, you find out you've got a problem and you have a need. And this week I spent about an hour and I counted all the words in the Bible. No, I didn't. But you don't have to read but to a two or three hundred. And you know what you find out? You have a problem. And only the Lord has the remedy for that problem Now notice with me what happens in chapter 1 and 2 God creates the world, the universe All the vegetation, all the animal kingdom The mineral kingdom And then he creates man And here is this man, Adam and his wife named Eve They're put into a they, They first of all have a perfect heredity There's been no sin in the universe other than Satan. And at this point, he doesn't seem to even dwell on the earth. And so they have a perfect heredity. No genes floating around, no extra chromosomes, no problems like that. Perfect heredity. God is his maker and father. Perfect environment. Absolutely perfect. The Garden of Eden. No sin, no problems of any type. Perfect heredity, perfect environment And God put him in charge to rule the earth If you will go with me to verse 15 of chapter 2 The Lord God took the man Put him into the garden To dress it and to keep it And the Lord commanded the man one commandment Not even ten like we know One Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Thou shalt not eat of it Notice there is a sentence passed in the statement In the day that you eat thereof You will surely die A death sentence if you break The one command that God gave to him Well Chapter 3, Satan comes, the enemy of God, the evil one. And Satan tempts the woman. And he says to her two or three things. First of all, he tr- convinces her that God is unfair. Stop, look up here. Are there people here today thinking that God is unfair? Do you think that God is too controlling? You think that God is unreasonable to demand anything of you Or he just put you on the planet to enjoy your life And you do anything you want and you have no responsibility to God That's what Eve She bought into Satan's falsehood, his lie That God was unfair Did God really say that? That you can't? And he raised doubt in her mind about the scripture itself The other thing that he did here Is he convinced her to disobey the Bible To go ahead and eat To disobey God's word And she did And what is sin? Sin is a word of disobedience to God Sin is an emotion Like hatred That can be sinful What is sin? It's a word, it's a deed Sin can be a thought Lust, Jesus said Is sinful Just a thought And certainly A word A deed A thought An emotion Well this was a deed And she took that fruit Whatever it may have been And she ate it And then she gave it to her husband Sin is disobedience Sin is questioning God's word Sin is rebellion against God Sin is independence from God I'll live my life as if there were no God Nobody's going to put any restraint on me Nobody's going to control me That's a sinful spirit and she had it And that day she made a choice and it changed the world It changed history Because upon that day sin came in The whole universe was changed Even the physical universe And the Lord talked about that In all those verses in chapter 3 That I don't have time to go into But then God later provided for them a remedy Look at verse 21 And unto Adam also and to his wife Did the Lord God make coats of skin And he clothed them And that day he began The plan of salvation, if you will Now sin brought death Go back to chapter 2, verse 17 In the day that you eat it You will die So we have this cycle Birth, death Life in between For an uncertain period of time In March 2006 There was a giant tortoise in India and the, the headlines around the world were The oldest living thing has died The oldest living animal That big old turtle lived for 250 years But he died Because based upon the word of God In the book here We're born, we live, we die That cycle is endlessly repeated And never has been repudiated I've told you about my grandmother Green A little woman from West Virginia She was born in 1878 And she lived for 114 years She made Guinness Book of World Records As the second oldest human being in the world I preached her funeral Her children came to the funeral And some of them were 90 years old isn't that something? And I thought Grandma was going to live forever, but in 1992, Grandma died. You can have 114 years, but you're still going to die. And I'm telling you, you're going to die. Yesterday, I was called to the home of a man. They say, "Please come over," and I sat there. And in a few minutes, they put him in the hospital. After I left, he's dying. I told him, you're dying unless God providentially intervenes. Most important thing you'll ever decide in life is about Jesus Christ. You profess that you've done that, but as a minister of the gospel, I have to talk to you about that because, oh, I can't imagine the tragedy of living your life and going into eternity without God and without Christ. Somebody complained to a preacher Said I get tired of coming to church And you talking about death all the time That young preacher said Well I'll make you a deal Y'all quit dying and I'll quit talking about it You quit dying and we'll quit talking about it But until then you need somebody Every now and then standing up and saying Hey this life is not forever You can live 114 years But you will die And you'll meet God. And in the day that they sinned, that cycle began. Romans 5 and 12 says, And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. I'll tell you how to never die, just never sin. But by the time you figure it out, it's too late, isn't it? Death passed upon all, for all have sinned. Well, lastly, the Scripture will make you wise to God's plan of salvation. Go to chapter 3 and verse 6. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, and she ate it, and her husband also ate it. But look at verse 7. Their eyes were both opened, meaning their conscience was awakened, meaning that they realized what they had done Was an offense to God And that they had disobeyed him And something beyond their comprehension Had now occurred in their life Sin had come in Note at verse 7 They took some fig leaves And tried to make an apron to cover their shame The futile attempts of people to save themselves But it was ineffective But look at verse 9 God took the initiative The Lord called unto Adam and said Where are you Adam? Up until then the Lord had been walking with them In fellowship every day But now sin comes in And time sin comes in Sin separates from God And sin breaks fellowship But look at verse 21 that we've already read But God made coats of skins and clothed them So their works of their own hands To make the fig leaves Was ineffective But the Lord provides salvation for them If you will That's a picture of that In the British Navy The Royal British Navy I presume it's still so But I've read it more times than not I've read that Every piece of rope they make And you know they use a lot of rope on sailing ships and so on Every piece of rope in the British Navy Has a red thread running through it It's for purposes of identification Because people tend to steal the Navy ropes So wherever you are Any inch of that rope you cut There's that red thread And it says this rope belongs to the king or the queen of England Through the Navy And what a great illustration to me of the Bible Because we go back here to Genesis 3 Where we've been looking And the red thread of redemption Begins in Genesis 3 And it goes all the way through your Bible And the theme of your Bible is We need salvation We desperately need to be saved But we cannot save ourselves God has provided for us a substitute As he did here They are naked, symbolizing their openness, their inability to cover their sins. And the Lord took the skins of animals, which meant something had to die to provide that skin. Blood had to be shed. Some innocent substitute had to give its life so that they could be clothed. And in the same sense, Jesus Christ came. The perfect Lamb of God, our substitute, Bill Monroe's substitute for his sins, and He died that I might have the proper attire before God, the righteousness of God Himself. And so I read Second Timothy chapter three again, with that in mind. From a child, you have known the Scriptures. That story of redemption. And those scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ. Through faith in Christ. The scriptures lead me to Christ. But faith in Christ is what saves me and gives me the seed of eternal life. I think of salvation like this. Salvation is God making me an offer. I have paid for and provided for your salvation I offer it to you as a free gift Now the other side of salvation My responsibility is to receive that gift To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ And to receive him by faith into my life And then to begin to grow in him And experience his eternal life Would you bow your head with me in prayer please